0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Life Struggles. I am your host, Christy, and today I am interviewing Randy. Randy's an empathetic warrior who has overcome many obstacles. He isn't afraid to get in the trenches with his readers. He'll help you identify and dig out from the things keeping you buried or struggling Randy's years as a therapist, university administrator, and health promotion expert are grounded in his own journey of personal growth. Randy is a survivor, a survivor of addiction, of self-hatred, and of our often toxic, ego-soaked culture. Today, Randy is a speaker who helps audiences around the country, and the world find their path in life and learn the self-esteem-building skills necessary to be positive, productive, and fulfilled members of society. He has provided memorable keynotes and paradigm-shifting leadership workshops at schools including Notre Dame, Brown, John Hopkins, and Valencia Community College, among so many others. Randy is now dedicating his life to true passion and helping others to do the same. Randy's able to unlock a wellspring of self-esteem and potential. Please help me in welcoming this amazing man, Randy. Hi. Help me welcome Randy today. I so much appreciate him coming. Hi, Randy. Hello, Christy. How you doing? I'm doing good. How's your day going? Awesome. It's been a really good day. Good. I, I yeah. love hearing that. Yeah. Okay. So what is your life struggle?
1: Oh, where to begin? There have been so many.
0: You can um, begin at the beginning or what you feel is most important.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I guess the struggle really started when I was in high school, um, as I kept comparing myself to all of my classmates, and I wasn't as smart as some of them. So I felt like I was the dumb one. Um, I wasn't as athletic as some of them. So I felt like I was a total klutz. I always seemed to compare myself with everyone else, and I tended to come up less than. So I think that's where the struggle first started. Um, also what I know now, but didn't know then it wasn't talked about back when I was in school. Um, I have severe ADD and that just wasn't something that was being talked about back then. So all my teachers and my parents were saying, you're so smart. Why can't you just apply yourself? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know. So I kept getting this message that I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And I finally internalized that. And when I was 16, I found the one thing that finally shut off that voice. And that was pot. And Mm -hmm. I started smoking marijuana and I started drinking. And all of a sudden, those voices just went away. And, you know, there's no addiction in my family. So and I heard about alcoholism and all that. But, you know, that's not going to happen to me. And little by little, I started using more. And at seventeen, I started using cocaine, and that's when I really felt like this is my jam. You know, and what I know now is that I was self-medicating for the ADD with the cocaine, and everyone else is feeling paranoid and out
0: of sorts, and I'm like, oh my god, I feel normal for the first. You know, time that's in my interesting life. because actually, the medicine that they do give you for ADD is an upper. It is. You no, know, or yeah, what we used to call speed or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, actually considered a street drug now. Right. So, it can be right. So that would make perfect sense. Exactly. Um but so, I, I didn't know that back then. But also, um, what cocaine has in it makes you feel on top of the world too. Oh, which absolutely. is why it's so easily addicting. Exactly.
1: And yeah, like who, I,
0: who wouldn't want to feel good every single day and feel super powered?
1: Exactly. I mean, one of the things I talked about when I do presentations is when I did cocaine, I felt like someone drew an S on my chest and I became superman. Super, yeah. Exactly. So it's like, well, if I feel good doing this, I want to do a it more. So right. But no one talked about the addictive nature of cocaine, especially back in the 70s and 80s you know, back then, it's like, oh, you can't become addicted to cocaine. So I believe them. Yeah.
0: You know, that's funny, because um, the the years that you're talking about, my youngest brother was, I believe, 13, and started Mm -hmm. smoking pot. And I could tell the minute he walked in the door, his personality was so different. Mm -hmm. And I kept saying to him, you know that that's addicting and it's not going to be enough. And I'm, what I'm saying that for is not actually medically, but emotionally, mentally, mm-hmm. because he, he also had some struggles and that's what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So anything to take that mental, whatever it is, away. And he kept saying to me, pot doesn't do that. Pot doesn't huh. do that um guess what up until five years ago
1: mm-hmm.
0: he was all the way into math wow oh. for all those years and he's 52 now wow yeah so Ooh. definitely and it was always to cover up the more crap he did when he was on the drugs yep the more he had to cover up when he wasn't on them exactly. so he would do it again and again mm-hmm. is that how you felt
1: that's the cycle that people get caught in. You you get high and it feels great, but then you do stuff you're not proud of, so you get high to forget what you did, which makes you do other things that you're not proud of. So you get high. And it's like a circle, it's like the hamster on a treadmill. You run, 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 but you're not getting anywhere. I like that. A hamster. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So continue. Okay, so then I kept using. Junior year in high school, senior year in high school. And my junior year is actually, it was in between junior and senior year that everything really started to, I thought, become crystal clear. And I started doing Coke at school and before baseball tryouts. I remember I went out for the baseball team and I did some Coke before I went to tryouts. And I'm all over the place, of course, because I'm all amped up and I'm hitting the ball and diving for line drives. And coach comes up to me after tryouts and said, Randy, I can't believe your improvement over the last year. Whatever you're doing, keep it up. Oh gosh. And I was like, <laughs> okay, good. We'll yeah. So wow. I went from sitting on the bench in my junior year to starting a third base on the varsity team in my senior year. And all of a sudden I'm losing weight and I'm looking good. And and Were I you heavy. Off. What's that? Were you heavy? Um earlier on I was, but okay. when I started working out a lot and doing cocaine. I was looking really good yeah and you know I had that people... nice California beach body and oh yeah and really? the long curly black hair down to the middle of my back oh yeah <laughs> I had it all going on
0: well because usually people that are like really addicted to cocaine are like super skinny and kind of look like death.
1: yeah well that happened later on
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, this was still high school and kind
1: of dabbling every now and then. It was when I went to college that things really accelerated. Okay, but before you no get to moves. that,
0: I have a question yeah. for you. Sure. Were your parents not aware of any of this?
1: Not aware at all. And, and
0: how- you know, we didn't
1: talk about it back then. It wasn't really something they knew about, something they didn't talk about. So, you know, they knew something was going on, but they would ask me what's going on. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm doing great. Look at my grades. My grades are getting better. I'm on the baseball team now. And they're like, oh yeah. Okay. Well, I guess you are doing okay. Cause on the outside, it looked like everything was all right.
0: So I kind of feel like had you been diagnosed to begin with, with ADD and medicated for that, probably none of that would have happened.
1: Probably not, but then again, we probably wouldn't be talking right well, now. Well, then we wouldn't there. be right, but yeah. I'm just saying. But that's, absolutely, that's if like- I would have had that diagnosis and and stuck with my studies, my life would have been totally different. I'd probably be a real estate person out in L.A. like everyone else in my right.
0: Family. Yeah. Well, I guess, like you know, one of my messages right here, real quick to people is that please, if you see signs. And we'll go yes. over the signs. But if you see those signs, get a diagnosed quick with your kids or yourself, whatever. Absolutely. You know? Yes, it's, don't it's try deal. to hide it
1: or make excuses for it. Deal with it head on and say, let's go get it
0: checked out. Hey, prove me wrong. And you know what? Over 50% of the population has it. So it's not, yeah. it's not like you're out there alone. It's not like it's a, it's, a, it's a big deal. What's a big deal is not getting the help. You know right. you could do so much better in your life with the help so
1: okay absolutely and and i like that you know more and more we're starting to like when there's a movie or a, a tv show that has a suicide message in there you get the suicide hotline line afterwards mm-hmm. you know if you know someone who's struggling call it. we didn't have that before no so we're learning how to take better care of the people in our society which i think is great but back then, you know, we didn't talk about drug use and addiction and eating disorders and self-harm. And we never talked about any of those things. So it's getting better. We still have a long way to go, but I think it's much better than it was back in the 1980s and 90s.
0: Don't you feel like it kind of goes up and down? Like depending sure. depending on, because actually, well, the time period you're talking about, you're right. That wasn't going on the parents, but I was twelve years older than my youngest brother, and Mm -hmm. I knew what was going on. Right. And I can I I continually told my parents. They didn't want to believe it. Right. You know, and then everything was kept you know a secret.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah,
0: keep it under the rug. So, but I brought my kids up differently. So I'm saying, so like my kids, my oldest daughter, you know, she's not a parent, but being a parent. She should know those things, but I'm also seeing her age group of parents because she's 40, her Mm -hmm. age group of parents, not disciplining, not paying attention to what their kids are doing, but there for a while, everybody was. So now I feel Mm -hmm. like there's an age group there that just aren't doing it.
1: It could be, you know, more and more. I think parents are educating themselves about these things. Of course, there are exceptions to that. and it's kind of like the stock market. It goes up, it goes okay. down, but eventually it keeps going up.
0: Okay. Well, so that's what I was of getting those at. Kind of, kind of going up and down when I see it, but okay. Right. So you're into college and it's got worse.
1: Into college. Oh, did it get worse? I was having fun, but you know, I wasn't remembering a lot of it and my grades were suffering. I was on academic probation after my first semester.
0: Wow. I wasn't so going to Did you to have a scholarship?
1: No. Okay. No, we were okay. just paying the tuition. Okay. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it just got worse from there. And, you know, I'm also a drummer. I've played in garage bands and different bands all through there, uh, all through the years. And after my freshman year, I thought, you know what? College isn't for me. I'm going to go join a rock band.
0: Okay. Of course. So <laughs> I found
1: a band and a hey, rock the band. band, you
0: can do drugs,
1: right? exactly although even the guys in the band after a while were like randy you gotta stop man you gotta cool it down i'm like what are you talking about you guys are partying too they're like not like you do and actually the downfall of the band they got to a point you know we were we just recorded um our first album and we were talking about going on tour with a big name band and good things were happening and they basically said look if you want to stay in this band, you either need to quit the drugs or quit the band. Make a choice. And, you know, I believe that we are a product of the choices we make. Mm
0: -hmm. And I
1: said, well, screw you. I'll go find another band. And I quit the band. Oh, boy. That's when the addiction really just started to spiral out of control.
0: Okay, well, I want to hear that.
1: Okay. Oh, ah, those were some scary years. Uh, People need to hear how
0: scary, though. Huh? People need to hear how scary
1: I was completely losing control. I was going, I moved back into mom and dad's house because I didn't have a job. I wasn't in school. And they said, if you're going to live here, you have to do something. So I went to, a so community they knew college. that.
0: So um, by now they knew about your addictions. No, they Not just, they,
1: they said, that. what happened with the band? I'm like, oh, it just didn't work out. You know, I was very good at lying to them and they just bought the lies.
0: Okay. So still, even though this many years has gone by, they're not okay. Go ahead. Did they have, they don't want to, you
1: know, I don't know. And if I asked them today, did you not know, or did you not want to know? I, I don't think they would know the answer to that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, they were very into just, you know, show on the outside that everything's okay. You know, that's
0: that that's whole that generation. persona
1: thing. Yeah. So I went to a community college okay. and I got a great job as a ticket scalper. So me and my buddy Todd would go to the box office and we buy 20 tickets for $20 and then we sell them for $50.
0: Okay.
1: And we made a bunch of money. One summer we counted, we made $25,000 one summer. Wow. And guess between how much the two of you, guess what's that between the two of you? Between the two of us, twenty five thousand okay. dollars. Okay. And at the end of the summer, guess how much money I had left? Nothing. Nothing. Oh my god. Nothing to show for it. No. Because yeah. of cocaine. A lot of cocaine, a lot of alcohol, a lot of. Marijuana. So you were
0: mixing them.
1: Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Me and my friend Stuart had a contest one night to see who could do the most variety of drugs. In oh my one gosh. Night. Yeah, Where's I won. I didn't be alive. Did
0: what? You're so lucky to be
1: alive. I know. I have no idea how. When I was 21, I overdosed on cocaine and I had a heart attack. No. Yeah. And came out of it and I slept for like a day and a half and I came out and I was in horrible pain, like I had been hit by a truck and I gave up cocaine for like two weeks after that. I said, I'm not doing it anymore. I'll still smoke weed and drink, but I gave it up for a little while. So yeah, I mean, it it was... Horrible what I was doing to myself, and it is a total miracle that I'm alive today. I mean, it's it's against all odds.
0: Well, it has to be. So, well, obviously, you had purpose.
1: Someone had a purpose for you. Absolutely. I mean, I know that now, back then, but after the heart attack, I realized, you know what? I gotta get out of LA. This city is killing me. You know, when I looked at all the different factors. I narrowed it down to it's because of LA. It wasn't because of the drug use. No, 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 no. It's LA's fault. If I get out of LA, everything will be all right. So I enrolled at San Diego State University and went down to San Diego. And since I was in college still, my parents helped me out with expenses and I got a job delivering pizza, which is so much fun. (laughs) And I kept doing drugs and I was on academic probation at San Diego State and they actually ended up expelling me from college. Oh my gosh. So I petitioned to get back in and I totally lied on the petition. You know, my dog died. My grandmother was sick. I had to go to LA a lot. I'm really sorry. Please give me another chance. And they did. Wow! And they said, okay, get a 2.0 or better next semester or you're done. You're on probation. And I did not get over a 2.0. So they expelled me again. So I have been expelled from college twice. (laughs) Right around that time I got expelled the second time I got fired for my pizza delivery job.
0: Was that for not showing up or what? Not showing
1: up, or what I would do is I would call my dealer and I'd say, Hey man, call an order of pizza. He said, I don't want pizza. I said, No, I'll pay for it. Just Uh call and order the pizza so I can go over because I wanna get some stuff.
0: So what they do so, get
1: suspicious of going to the same place or exactly. And it's like, what happened I said, you've been gone for an hour. I'm like, I got lost. What? You went to that same place last night. <laughs> yeah. So I got fired. The lies we tell. <laughs> oh, and we think we're getting away with stuff. Uh-huh. And, oh, people just look at us like making a sound to a new sound to a puppy. They just cock their head and go, what? Yeah. <laughs> So that was in May of 1984, when I got fired from the job, expelled from college, and I thought, you know what? I am a total waste
0: of space on this planet. I'm done. Okay. So, so let I, me ask you this. During all this time that you're mm-hmm. doing all these drugs, were you still fighting low self esteem? Were you still fighting? Aging? I had
1: no self esteem. I had no idea who I was. I had no idea what made me happy. I had no idea. You know, I look in the mirror. It's like, who are you? I had no idea. The only time I felt alive was when I was high. That was the only time. Or when I was having sex with a woman. That was. Those were the only things where I felt like someone wanted me and I had purpose. And that was it. Other than that, I was totally lost. I didn't even like brushing my teeth in the morning because I might make eye contact with myself. And I hated that person that was looking back at me.
0: So I, I do want to go back to, was there any kind of childhood traumas or anything like that? Or did you ever feel like your parents didn't give a crap or not? So there was nothing like that.
1: No, no, nothing really traumatic. You know, there was no childhood abuse. There was no mom and dad were awesome parents. I mean, they did a great job, but they, you know, they were raising us from that perspective of the 50s and the 60s, the leave it to beaver kind of thing where you make everything look great on the outside, even though on the inside, it's like, I don't know what to do.
0: Well, so, some some people I've heard from in, in that time frame, and it's not that they're blaming their parents, but because that's how it was, like dad went to work and, you know, he worked so many hours by the time he got home, everybody ate dinner together. Then dad got in the recliner, he turned on the TV, and then he fell asleep. Mom cleaned up the kitchen. Mm-hmm. The kids all, you know, went upstairs, did whatever. Nobody was really interacting a whole lot and there's some people that were actually traumatized by that saying that they weren't getting the attention that they probably needed as a child like I remember one guy saying that he you know his dad didn't even like take the time to play catch with him or something Mm -hmm. and that traumatized him but you don't feel like any of that happened um no
1: we went on a lot of vacations Mm -hmm. We like to go travel together. And when we, you know, I traveled even into my teens, I really liked being with them and we would do that. But of course, you know, I never heard my dad say, I'm proud of you. Okay. You know, that never happened because he always looked at, are you getting good grades? How did you do in baseball? And, you know, that helped to kind of reinforce the not good enough stuff.
0: I was going to say, do they have high expectations?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They wanted me, you know. You're so smart. Everybody tells me how smart you are. Why aren't you getting good grades? I'm like, I don't know. And I put it mostly on that I was undiagnosed ADD, more than my parents did a horrible job. I don't really go to that place with it.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I could see. No, and we
0: can't blame them for that because they didn't. They didn't even know ADD. I mean, that that wasn't a a diagnosed disorder then. So exactly. Okay. Okay. So Uh, go ahead. I was just curious. Yeah. You know, I,
1: there were, of course there were little, you know, I think every kid has little T traumas somewhere. Some have big T trauma, but I think most kids grow up with some type of small T trauma. I mean, even my daughter, I think I've done a really good job of raising her, but I'm sure there are things that she remembers. And it's like, oh my God, I can't believe dad said that or did that or mom and dad sure. did. You know, who knows? I don't know. Sure. And I think it's different for everybody. I definitely do not want to trivialize another person's experience saying that it was traumatic for them hearing that, wow, he's saying the same thing that I went right. through, but right. no way. I mean, we all have our own unique experiences right. with all of this.
0: And I can say, like, I had the same upbringing that that you did and was in that same era. And I don't, I I never looked at, you know, we went on family vacations mm-hmm. twice a year, I think. And we had a blast. Yeah. And we did have, you know, all of our holidays, you know, that were big family stuff, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know any different or feel any different that they weren't doing outside stuff. I mean, both my parents worked. Yeah. You know, it was kind of a family thing to put the put everything together to eat and, you know, whatever. So I don't feel traumatized by I mean, I felt like that was normal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and even looking back, you know, I've done a lot of work since. And my conclusion is, you know, I never heard I'm proud of you. And, you know, there were things they could definitely do different, but they did the best they could with the tools they had at the time. I'm happy to hear that. There's no blame, there's no finger pointing, you did this to me, and I don't feel
0: that way at all. And I'm happy to hear that because I I think being a parent is hard enough. And we do the best we can. And as you know, they you know, we don't come with a handbook. Nope. No. And every kid is different and whatever. We do the best we can, most of us.
1: Exactly. And one of the things that I was really, really impactful with my daughter from the moment she could understand English I would tell her and I told her this over and over and over and over I said I will always love who you are even though I might not like what you do which that's a good saying and And I make that separation and as she got older and when she would do something like oh my god what what were you thinking why did you do that I'm really angry with you for doing that I still love you but You know, I wanted to say, what were you thinking? Yeah, I I didn't talk to her. I didn't say that to her, but sure, pretty much that's, and she would start to feel really bad about it. And I would help her to own what she was feeling and what she was going through. But, you know, even into her teens, I still say it to her sometimes when things are going on. I'm like, just know, I always love who you are. I know, even though you don't like what I do, (laughs) right? Yeah. That's the teenager's response.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. okay, so here we are, we flatlined, did you flatline, or no, you didn't flatline with the heart attack. No, I, just, you no, I shouldn't say literally. just a heart attack, because that's a big deal. Yeah. But. Well, I mean, it was a minor heart
1: attack, but it was a heart attack. But it was so. caused by the cocaine, wasn't it? Cocaine, yeah, it yeah. was way too much cocaine in a short period of time. Yeah, I did about three and a half grams in an hour and a half.
0: Oh, gosh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I I wasn't feeling really good. And all of a sudden my arm went numb and it felt like someone took an ice pick and went bam into my heart and I passed out.
0: You know, it makes me wonder why, I I know a lot of people that happens to, you know, that's that's the story they tell. And I'm like, why isn't that enough? Yeah, no. Why isn't that scary enough to stop? So
1: tell me why. But then, but in my mind, it's like, I just won't do that much anymore. I'll just do a little bit so that it's not that bad again it was because I did so much if I don't do that much then I'll be okay okay it's it's that addict thinking you know anything to justify the use and it worked until May 16th 1984
0: so this is when you hit rock bottom
1: that was the day okay and I got a bottle of 151 rum which was my favorite drink and I drank the whole bottle the whole pint and I had some weed, and I smoked that, and then I had a quarter gram of cocaine, and I did it all in one line. And I'm sitting there; it's like, I, I, and I didn't even get high. I wasn't even drunk or high after doing all that. I'm like, now oh, I can't you got,
0: do that anymore. Well, you got two different types of drug. You got a downer and an upper that you're mixing. So wouldn't that kind of even it no. out?
1: No, it has a synergistic effect where they kind of compound each other. It doesn't balance wow. it out. Yeah. So, you know, it's like when you give coffee to a drunk, it doesn't make them not drunk. Now you have a wide awake drunk. (laughs) (laughs) So so no, it it does not cancel each other. Wow,
0: I never even thought of that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, not a good idea to give or put them in a shower. Oh, bad idea. Yeah, time is the only thing that cures someone who's overly drunk or high. So I'm sitting there. It's like, you know what, I'm I'm done. And I thought, how am I going to do this? And I thought, okay, I'm going to put a note on my door. my Wait a minute. What
0: actually happened? Just uh, mixing all that stuff and what happened? You felt like crap or? I didn't even get high. Nothing happened. Oh, nothing happened. Right. And that's why
1: I'm like, oh, great. I can't even do that anymore. Okay. I get kicked out of school. I get fired from my job delivering pizza. Now I can't even get high.
0: Oh, gosh.
1: What's the point? Yeah, so that's why it's like, okay, I'm gonna put a note on my bedroom door. Go, don't come in. Just call 911. And I went over to my closet and oh I got out gosh. a dive knife that my parents gave me as a gift. And I knew if you're serious, you cut down and not across. And then I thought, well, can you cut one and then switch hands and cut the other? I don't know. And I don't want blood all over. I'll go sit in the bathtub so it don't make a mess for anyone to have to clean up. And I couldn't decide which risk to start with first. And I thought, well, maybe I'll just slice open my throat and one good slice right here and I'm done. <sighs> so I looked up into the bathroom mirror to see where to start. And I made eye contact. And I said, what the are, what you-, are you, you doing? Say <laughs> How did you get here? What is going on? And all of a sudden I got scared my gosh, I'm so thankful for that. No, oh, me too now. And it was like, "What do I?" oh my God, I have a drug problem. Oh my God, that's, and all of a sudden everything flashed. It's like, it's the drugs that caused everything. And I thought, oh shit, I need help. And I, it took me like 45 minutes to get the courage together to call a hotline that I remember I had seen on a billboard. I was with my buddy Todd, the ticket scalping guy. My okay. friend who, yeah, my yeah. best friend, yeah. that some... we were walking across the street, there was a billboard that said drug problem, if so, call 1-800-BE-SOBER, and it really? took me 45 minutes, and I finally dialed every number, and the phone rang, and this woman answered and said be sober hotline, I said, yeah, hi, um, I think I have a drug problem. And she said, well, what are you using? I said, cocaine and alcohol and pot. And she's like, okay, well, tell me about it. Let's talk about it. Because I used to do that too. And I've been sober now for a year and a half. And I was like, what? A year and a half? And I talked to her for about an hour and a half, I talked to her. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that she saved my life because she gave me hope. And I hung up and I went to sleep. Really? And then And then the next day, I called my mom and I said, Mom, can you come down to San Diego, I have something I want to tell you. And she came down, and I said, Mom, well, I'm not like a murderer or a rapist or anything like that, but I'm a drug addict. And she said, what's this murder and rapist bullshit, what are you going to do about your problem. I was like, wow, um, well, I don't know. Um, they were talking about these meetings. I talked to this person on a hotline. So I'm going to go check those out and you know, do something like that. She's like, all right, well, you got to do something. And I actually went to a treatment center and I went for an assessment and I told him everything that was going on. And he did the most ethical, amazing thing. I mean, all of these... Beautifully magical things kept happening in my life. And one of them was Rob Dean at Mesa Vista Hospital. I don't think he's there anymore. He might be. And he said, this was in San Diego, in San Diego. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He said, well, I've done my assessment. You sound really motivated to get sober. I said, yeah, I am. He said, I don't think you need to come in here right now. Let me give you the name of a therapist. And if you relapse, come back in and we'll check you in. I'm like, all right. And he gave me the number of Charlie Nelson, Dr. Charlie Nelson down in San Diego. And I called him and I said, yeah, Rob Dean gave me your number. He goes, huh, Rob Dean's never given me a referral before. I'm like, well, he got me. And I went and saw Charlie and Charlie hooked me in with recovery. And I started going to meeting 12 step meetings and I saw Charlie once a week and I am one of those 5% that I have never relapsed since I made that decision to quit.
0: So how many years has that been?
1: Uh, In May, it'll be 38 years.
0: That's amazing. You know, actually, this whole story is amazing. It's like somebody really was watching over you this entire time. Totally.
1: And, but it's not just me. It's everybody. There's, I look, we all have that guardian angel. That's just waiting for its opportunity to tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, are you ready? for something different, I have this whole
0: magical world ready for you, if you're just willing to let go of this other stuff. See, the key, though, is when you start listening to that angel on your shoulder, or whatever you want to call it, because everybody's not where you're at. They don't make it. They don't. I mean, like, you sound amazing. And I, I feel even though you went through a lot, I feel like one of the luckier ones that you, you didn't even get that knife in there. You looked at yourself and said, what the hell?
1: Yeah. And,
0: and you were ready. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you were ready for good.
1: Absolutely. But there are plenty of people who say, Oh my God, what am I doing? And then they just, you know, they continue to and boom, they're done. So it's that that moment, that moment of clarity where it's like, I I need to do something different. And some people hear it and others don't, but we all have the opportunity for the people who are struggling out there. And they're like, I don't know what to do. My opinion is, yes, you do. Because what you're doing isn't working. So let's do something else. And even the fact that they're listening to your show says, I want something different. I right. want to find it a way out. I want to right. find something different. But we get so into, you know, I remember this picture of a cat, you know, that hang in there. Uh-huh. Remember uh-huh. that? A cat yeah. with claw marks. You know, I love the saying, I never let go of anything that didn't have claw marks in it. Well, that, I love that. Yeah. So it's like we struggle, we struggle. It, you know, pain doesn't come from change.
0: Pain comes from the resistance to change. So... Congratulations. First of all, 38 years is amazing. Um, So you wrote a book. Mm -hmm. Does that, does that have anything
1: to do with all this? Oh, absolutely. Because part of my recovery, and I believe that there's a huge difference between just being sober and being in recovery. Okay. And sober is just a behavior. You're not drinking and using anymore, but recovery is about taking a look at, Patterns and what did I do and what can I do different and all in the mind and the spirit and the emotions and getting in touch with feelings. You know, I was so afraid of my feelings when I got sober, oh and because I was afraid to face them. Yes, and I was afraid of my sadness. I was afraid of my fear. But what I've learned is that the more I get in touch with my feelings and learn that I do have them and it's okay to have have them the less scarier they become. And the more I begin to be friends with them, mm-hmm. you know, I'll watch a movie. My daughter will come by. She's like, dad, are you crying again? I'm like, of course I'm crying.
0: And what the heck's wrong with that? Nothing, nothing. nothing. And it
1: bugs me when people start crying and they're like, I'm sorry, I'm crying. It's like, why do you apologize? I, I know for crying? Right? We don't apologize for laughing. Why do I we know. apologize for crying? And I can't wait for the time in our society where it's okay to see
0: someone cry and not feel like he can for every to... gender yeah oh absolutely it's acceptable for women to cry to a certain degree until yes. they're like okay that's enough you've cried enough but exactly. it's for some reason people teach their boys yeah that that's not a boy thing and you boys I, don't cry i'm not that mom my my son yep. cries and yeah. i acknowledge it and let him and even go through it with him yeah
1: yeah you know, which is the best i thing encourage
0: you can it. do. Yeah. and i don't know if people realize this or not um in crying mm-hmm. we we have tear ducts in here and those open up when we cry and that releases endorphins which actually mm-hmm. are to help us feel better yep,
1: yep. so
0: cry cry it's Okay. You let yourself
1: have your feelings they're a part of you Yeah. So as I was beginning my journey into recovery, I was doing a lot of journaling and I was still seeing, I saw Charlie for the first two years of my sobriety. Um, And then we took time and now Charlie and I are really good friends. And it's so cool. Yeah. Next week he's celebrating 40 years. So I'm going to virtually be at his meeting where he's taking his 40 year cake. So So what,
0: what is he is what is his title? Like, He's not a doctor, right? Is he a counselor? He's a psychologist. Psychologist. Yeah. And does he just specialize in addiction or is it I think You know what? I'm not sure exactly what he does now. We don't talk about work a
1: lot, so okay. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, he's, he's been a very important part of my life. And as yeah. I was growing in my recovery and started to work professionally, oh, I got back into school. I got my bachelor's degree. I went on to get a master's degree.
0: Know, the little
1: druggy and drunk who can't even can't even deliver a pizza. And now I have a master's degree.
0: That's amazing. What did you know. put that
1: in? Uh, counseling.
0: Counseling. Because I wanted you. to be a
1: counselor like Charlie and help people.
0: Look at you. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about this book.
1: Oh, my book. So again, well, let me set it up a little bit because okay. what I realized as I was going through my process is that I had a lack of self-esteem. Okay. And I started to look at how society viewed self-esteem okay. and, you know, Madison Avenue spends billions of dollars every year, making sure, you know, that if you buy the right shampoo or drive the certain kind of car, you're going to have this amazing life. You're going to be beautiful. You're going to have everything. You're going to be happy. Heck yes. And I, but no, that's the lie. You know, the lie is that who you are is dependent on these outside things. You know, I know millionaires in Beverly Hills who are completely miserable. And I knew people that have hardly anything, but are really happy with the quality of their lives. So it's not about the money. It's not about the cars. So I started to realize that there's a difference between ego and self-esteem, and they're actually not connected. They're actually on opposite ends of a continuum. And all of us are somewhere on that continuum between pure ego and pure self-esteem. And no one is one or the other. We're all somewhere on that continuum. And I started to realize, what am I doing to move up that continuum towards a higher sense of self-esteem? And I started journaling about it. And it actually now has become my book, which is all about how to raise self-esteem. And I call it how to become your own best friend i love that. And, and to stop treating ourselves like our own worst enemy and to start treating ourselves like our own best friend. And I call the book, the ego cleanse. You know, we have this ego, let's clean it of all the crap so that it's okay to have some ego. I mean, we have, we, we would not be doing all this stuff, speaking and on social media and podcasts and all these things, if we didn't have some ego there too. But we, we respect and honor our ego without letting it consume us and be the primary thing of what we do because we do this because we want to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help make other people's journeys easier not have to struggle. I don't want people to have to struggle the way that I struggle. That's why I do this. So I work on my self-esteem and it's based on helping other people raise theirs, but there will always be some ego there, of course.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't
1: shame it anymore.
0: So I took, I just got done, you know, I mean, here I am on life struggles and oh my gosh, I, I have them every day. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're never going to stop having some kind of struggle. Right. Um, and it can just be That's more, life. you know, that it is life. Um, but I took a five week self-love trip mm, and all by myself. And no time frame, uh, not planning where I was going to go. It was on a day-to-day thing, but I really needed to dive inside myself and do some healing. Mm -hmm. I, I had healing that I wasn't even aware of until I started this trip. And so it really, I feel like it's really important to dive into yourself. And was it hard? Absolutely. There was a lot of things that I had to accept that I didn't know was even there. And I don't do drugs. Mm -hmm. Don't do alcohol. I wasn't doing anything to hide it that I know of. I, I cry Mm -hmm. when I need to cry, you know, but it was there somewhere because when I started really diving into my heart there were things there that I needed to fix. Yeah, and good for you
1: for doing it. Too many people overwork, or they find other ways to hide. And it. that's
0: what I was doing. Yeah, what I was doing. And and I really feel like everybody, everybody should. I I mean, they don't do a six weeks. that, you know, I just happen yeah. to have that, but take some kind of small trip, whatever, where you're completely by yourself, and you you really dive into your heart your soul your thoughts
1: yeah and And that's really important I I like taking time when I'm in the car you know I turn Mm -hmm. the music off and I'm just there with myself and just having those brief little 15 minutes to an hour on my own those little things really make a difference
0: yeah so see people can do that they can just take a long drive Mm mm-hmm you know, yeah. I mean, mine, mine was in the car too. That's what. That's because I didn't know where I was going to go. So I thought, well, I'm not going to get a plane ticket to yeah. go somewhere, and then I'm gonna have to rent a car. And <sighs> so I just like packed my car with six suitcases and said, mm-hmm. I don't know where I'm going to go first. Don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to be driving. And so I had a lot of thinking in the driving too.
1: Oh yeah. But what a great thing that you were able to do for yourself. That's awesome.
0: It, it, it was. And I think I was blessed given that, but yeah, at any rate, you can do what he just said. You can take, yeah. you know, just take a long drive. I know a lot of people that, that yeah. just take a drive to clear their head, yeah. whatever, take a long walk, run. I don't, I don't care, but do whatever something. it is. Yep.
1: And in fact, you know, it's funny you say that because I'm in the process of putting together an event right now. Yeah. That I'm calling Esteem Fest.
0: Oh, I like that. It's going
1: to be a celebration of self and it's going to be a weekend long. It's going to be October 14th through 16th here in Orlando. And some of my friends are amazing speakers. So we're going to have speakers and meditation and yoga and all kinds of ways that people can learn how to take care of
0: themselves. And we're going to do some. Okay, well, I'm a yoga instructor. (gasps) Um, Oh, you want to come to Esteem Fest? Uh, well, I was just going to tell you, October's when I get to come to Florida anyway. Oh. So we might Make, have to make sure that, that we out. write down those dates and the name yeah. of it and where it's going to be.
1: Yeah. Well, here, let me tell you the best part about a STEAM Fest. Okay. This is what I'm most excited about when I tell people this. They're like, oh, my God.
0: Okay. So
1: the speakers are going to happen Friday and Saturday, all day mm-hmm. Saturday. Um, and then on Sunday, we're all going to go do an inner child play date at the Magic Kingdom at Disney. Oh, fun. We're going to go play. Yeah. Yay. That's I know. A good thing. I'm so excited. And the hotel that I found is right near Disney uh-huh. and they have bus transportation over there. So we're going to do all of our cool stuff for a will couple they, of days. Will they
0: have discounts for the event?
1: I hope so. I'm working on that. It depends how many people we can get. Yeah. Um, so that I'm really hoping that that we're going to be able to work out some kind of discussion. Have you
0: have have you already like figured out a thing for people to go and register?
1: Um,
0: if or, right now we
1: we're building the website, but if go they ahead. go to esteemfest.com, um they can get on the sign up list so that when we do release information, they'll be the first ones to, I
0: need to write that get down.
1: notified. Esteem Fest. At steamfest.com, E-S-T-E-E-M-F-E-S-T.com. And I think I'm going to do something. Oh, this is the first time I'm talking about it. I think I'm going to do this. I love it. I'm going to like for the first 50 people who sign up, if you register, you can bring a friend at half price.
0: Okay.
1: But you don't, do you so guys have price something. yet? I'm thinking, you know, I don't have all the numbers yet. I want to keep it as affordable as possible. I'm also hoping to have scholarship money available for people who can't afford it. And I'm hoping to get some sponsors to come in who can help with some of that as well. You know, if I can get a $25,000 sponsor, then, you know, we can really discount the tickets to the park and I'd have a lot of scholarship money. I'm hoping we can get away with like $449 as a pre registrant And at a certain point, it will go up to $499. So it'll be about 450, 500 bucks in order to do that. And for the, hotel, the event,
0: for the three day event.
1: event. And yeah. what are you hoping that'll cover? Everything um, except for the nice. Disney. I'm hoping it'll be the Disney ticket, but I don't know if I can do that yet. But not the hotel. No, You're
0: not the hotel.
1: Talking about the, hotel, the, yeah. the speakers and all that. Right. The okay. speakers, the food, I'm going to have lunch and breakfast and snacks and water coffee and tea all day um so that's what it's going to cover
0: okay well if you need any help i'm really good at doing the reservation thing and blocking rooms and all that kind of stuff so
1: actually i found an awesome meeting planner and i knew she was the right meeting planner because we had a time set to talk and Mm -hmm. she wrote to me and said i have a family emergency i need to take care of i'm sorry we'll have to talk later and when I talked to her later, she said, "Oh, it was horrible, but it's over now." And I did some good meditation in order to kind of center myself again. I was like, "Okay, now I have a meeting planner who meditates." Awesome! <laughs> I love it. So it's so cool how all of these pieces keep falling into place. Yeah, I love it to make this event happen. I just am so grateful that we can do this, and we're doing it at. Uh, it's called the Bee Resort in Orlando. And we're going to get to do things like make banners that say B, the letter B, be grateful, be aware, be connected. So we're going to do all kinds of things around the B. The B. Um,
0: yeah. Is the B resort, though, is that just a B or is that B-E-E? No, B. The just resort B. is just B? Just resort. the letter B,
1: yeah. And I think we have rooms, I think they're $149 a night. So I wanted that to be pretty inexpensive, too. Are those doubles? They can be doubles. They can be kings. Either one. What people want. Mm-hmm. Nice. Either way. This okay. is the first time I'm really talking about it. In this I'm excited form. for I'm really, you. Like, ah, I'm so excited.
0: Well, you can count on me going. Awesome. I need to put those dates down, though. October.
1: 14 to 16. October 16th is going to be our play date at Disney.
0: Okay. And you're why don't you tell everybody like kind of how you're connected to Disney
1: oh you know it happened when I was probably five years sober no probably three. yeah maybe five years Charlie kept saying you need to learn how to have fun sober I'm like I'm having fun he's like "No." You need to learn <laughs> that. so I started with SeaWorld and I would go to SeaWorld and that was a lot of fun and then a friend said when was the last time you were at Disneyland I'm like I haven't been there since I was a kid and I went to Disneyland and I walked down Main Street and saw that castle and little seven-year-old Randy inside of me just kind of went whoosh oh my god this is the most amazing thing and ever since then I have been a huge Disney fan and I love the personalities of the characters and the music and everything and the movies and everything that goes along with it. And Peter Pan is my guy.
0: Aww, um, yeah. yeah, I
1: love Peter Pan, that endless, you know, the, the everlasting child. And, you know, I've moved to a lot of places, my, my counseling practice turned into um, working what on practice? university. my counseling. Okay, when I first got sober, I went into university administration. So I worked on four different college campuses, uh, running drug and alcohol education programs for, for the students. And the last campus I was in was in a town in between Atlanta and Orlando. So it was a small little town. And I used to go to Orlando all the time and I'd go to Disney. And it was so much fun and I loved it. And my life has taken me to all these different places. And four years ago with my family, it's like, you know what, why don't we move to Orlando? So we did, and it was the best move we ever made. And I got an annual pass and I would go all the time. And then my wife said, why don't you go get a part-time job there? So I did, and now We're I'm fun. a cast member. I'm a part-time cast member at Disney. Uh, I, ugh, life is so magical, and I'm just so grateful. Every day I start my day on my knees saying, thank you for the gift of a new day. That's, and that's then, amazing. And it's just, I stay out of my own way now. And I stay
0: out of my own head. That's amazing. I love that. So I lived in Fort Lauderdale for quite a while. And Mm -hmm. my my daughter and I, (laughs) she, of course, you know, when she was old enough, so probably five, we went to Disney. Mm -hmm. And I waited that long because I heard of so many people that took their kids so young and they didn't remember it. Mm. And I mean, you can go over and over again. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, if you live on the other side of the United States or in the middle or whatever, I mean, it can get pretty costly to go that much. But we lived, you know, in Fort Lauderdale then. So I waited till she was five. But, you know, what ended up happening was about every three weekends, we would drive up to Orlando <laughs> and yeah. really do both SeaWorld and Disney because SeaWorld was magical to us, too. Mm-hmm. But I want to tell you, to this day, it's a small world, is one of my favorite things to go oh, through. Yeah. It doesn't matter how old I am. No. Nope. I, mm-hmm. I love going through there and I sing with them and Yep. <laughs> it's one happy. of the
1: iconic rides. And how many times? Here's why. How many times have you been in a situation where something really magical happens? And you're like, wow, it's a small world right? True. That's where the magic happens in our life. So that ride and that song taps into that. So every mm-hmm. time, you know, I just said it with a guest, there was a guest that came up to me and I was talking to them. They're from California. Oh, what part? Palos Verdes. Oh, I used to live in Palos Verdes. I went to Chadwick. Oh, my kids way. go to Chadwick. <laughs> so of all the people that I could be talking to, I talk to these kids who go to the same high school that I went to when I was a kid. It's a small wow. world after all. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, there's so much magic there.
0: That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you feel like we're at the end of our journey here?
1: We can be. That's up to you. You can to you. The dance.
0: Well, <laughs> I love to dance, but it really is up to you if if you feel like there's something more anything more important that people need to know or any more information you can give them to help them out with some of this stuff?
1: Yeah, you know, one of the things I did, I have a workshop and this is when I was speaking full-time, this was like one of the main things that I was doing. Mm -hmm. And during COVID, I wanted to give something back. So I just put my workshop online on my website and it's free. So feel free to go and, and watch the workshop. It gives all the tools that people need to build their own toolbox, to raise their self-esteem. And and that's Randy
0: at randyspeaks.com, right? Well, the
1: website is randyspeaks.com.
0: Randyspeaks.com, yeah. Yes,
1: so that's the website. And if people go there, um, they'll be able to see the work. It's under workshops and just go to the workshop. And um, you do put in your email address, but I promise you, I do not sell that to anybody. I just use it to let people know about Esteem Fest and different things that I'm doing. Okay. Um, but yeah, you can watch the workshop for free. I mean, I've been giving so many blessings in my life that I just want to give back. And, and the and main we're thing here that for. I tell people, it teaches people how to get out of their own way and to become their own best friend, instead of treating themselves like their own worst enemy to treat yourself, give yourself grace.
0: That's something we all need to do. Yep. Okay. So do you have a social media Oh yeah, um, um, if you would like, you know, people can reach out to you if they need to. Sure,
1: I mean it's all on my website. If if people don't write it down now, but I have Instagram. I think I'm there as Randy Habison, uh, so you can find me there. On Facebook, I have a page or a group. I don't, I get groups and pages mixed up. It's um. Randy speaks is is the group. on Facebook too on Facebook yeah. But everything is on my website. Um, so people so it's can just, probably
0: easier to go to your website. Yeah, they want to get your information. But I'll go ahead and put it in the bio here, too. Oh, cool. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, well, listen, I really appreciate your amazing story. And I'm sure that it's going to help a lot of people. That's what we're here for is trying to let people know that they're not alone. I think that's the biggest message out there. People think they're like in this alone and they don't need to be Mm -hmm. there. There are things out there. And I did want to ask you, did you work the 12 step program?
1: Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. Do you continue to work that or are you done working that? Um,
1: I still practice the principles of the program, but I believe what Bill W. said when he created AA, he said this was not meant to be something that people do the rest of their lives. You know, the goal of AA is to get people out into the community to be productive, successful members of society. So that's what I've done. You know, in my neighborhood, I think there's only one neighbor who knows that I'm in recovery. Nobody else, it it never comes up, you know, Hey, come over for a glass of wine. That's like, no, I'm not drinking tonight. You have some water. So it just doesn't come up. It's not something that I put out there. It's not something that's discussed, you know, whereas at the beginning, you know, the cashier at the grocery store, I am in recovery, but I don't do that anymore. It's a part of me. My recovery is so solid and it's so sacred for me. And the the principles of the 12 step programs are there, but no, I don't, do you still oh, celebrate it? Huh? Do you still celebrate it? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a big deal to me. I like this summer, we're going to London for oh, a family vacation, cool. and my daughter wants to visit some colleges out there, but I'm looking forward to going to a meeting when I go to London. I like going when I'm in different places, when I'm on a cruise ship, when I go visit different places. I like going to meetings just to kind of see what's out there. But yeah, it's not a regular part of my life anymore.
0: Okay. So one thing I want to get out there to people, um, and I try to reiterate this all the time, is that when you go to a meeting, it's not always going to be the group for you. But don't stop at that one, because eventually you'll find where you feel like you fit in. But I really think at the beginning of recovery that it's something that's very important to have that support. It Um, is, and uh, so many people give up when they go to their first one and they just didn't feel comfortable or Mm -hmm. you know whatever whatever the reason was um now you did drugs too did they cover that me because you i know there's na too, and there's also ca and i didn't know that yeah cocaine anonymous cocaine and really Mm -hmm. oh yeah never heard of that
1: yeah yeah Mm -hmm. that was a big part of my recovery
0: Okay, I just thought that was in with the NA, but I've never heard of C A. Yeah. So I'll have to into that. And there's also
1: H A heroin anonymous, M A marijuana anonymous. So they
0: started, you know what? That's not a bad idea because it's a great idea. Yeah. Because I, I can see where people, if they were just a heroin addict, you know, well, why do I need to go to AA? That's not my thing. Right. Yep. You know? Yeah.
1: Exactly. But they all you know kind
0: what? of have that 12 step,
1: right? Right, exactly. It's yeah. all the same it's all the same family. It's just they're all cousins with well, AA that. being That's like a the idea. grandfather. <laughs>
0: Okay. That's a, that's a fantastic idea. I'm, I'm glad you told me about that. I, yeah, I really yeah. didn't know. I thought there was NA and AA and that was it. No,
1: no, they're a bunch. And also, um, you, know, you were talking about don't give up
0: after you go to that
1: first meeting because it might not fit you well. The analogy that I use and that I would use with a lot of my clients mm-hmm. is kind of like if you needed a new dress for an event or a new suit for, for an event. Would you just walk into the first store, walk up to the first rack, pick something out and say, oh, God, I can't find anything. No, you shop around and you find the one that fits you best. So meetings are the same way. There are some very sick meetings out there and there's some really healthy recovery based meetings. So it's important to look around and find the one that fits you best. Thank
0: you. So I'm just going to tell you a little thing that I have seen throughout this whole thing. And that is, I'm going to go all the way back to where you said, you know, your, your mom and dad, or I think it was both of them, you know, would say, what is going on? You're so intelligent. You are intelligent. Thank you. Very intelligent. And so I feel like when they were saying that they knew, they knew. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They knew. You might not have
0: known, but they knew they They just didn't know about the ADD.
1: Right, exactly.
0: And you know what else I have found in the people that I talk to with ADD? They all seem to be very highly intelligent. Yes. Actually, and they just need to get that focus in there.
1: Exactly. Our brains
0: are overactive. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And I I wonder because it's getting more and more and more. I wonder if it was always that way or if it's, you know, the way that we live now. Yeah. You know, I don't don't know. know. But I sometimes.
1: And I think sometimes it's overdiagnosed, and there are parents who don't know how to control their kids and they don't put good boundaries on their kids. Mm-hmm. So they just, they must have ADD. Let's just put them on medication. So I think sometimes it can be overdiagnosed, but we're getting better about that.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, so, um, I actually fought hard for my son because he struggled so much mm-hmm. with it and, um, we had to go through like the, his teachers had to fill out a bunch of forms. Right. I had to fill out a questionnaire and then the doctor went over all those and mm-hmm. then asked him himself questions in order oh. to diagnose the whole thing. So that's he didn't have ADHD. He just had the ADD and I yeah. shouldn't say just, cause that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, so I didn't mean it that way. I oh no, I get did. it. Cause I'm yeah. the same
1: way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, But it's, that is a lifetime struggle for him. Yeah. Um, And so I really like people to, to understand that they're really not alone. There's a lot of people and I, and I don't want people to look down on themselves because that's something they have, because there's nothing wrong. No, you're not in control of it. You didn't call it. And you're not, you're not. And some of it's genetic. I do know that, Um, but not all of it. So I, you know, I don't, that's all I know is that some of it is genetic. I do not know where the rest of it comes from. And I'm not going to say that I do.
1: Yeah. Who knows? Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I do know that it can be genetic. So Uh, watched it run in, run in the family. So, oh yeah. Yeah. My daughter's got it too now. See, and I don't know, does she ever, does she complain about it or? We
1: have it medicated. So that really, really helps. Mm-hmm. And she's doing great in school and you know, doing well socially, the whole thing. So yeah, she's doing great.
0: Then how old is
1: she? Sixteen. Sixteen. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So I how call long... her my little rock star. Oh. Yeah. I bet she loves coming to Disney, huh? <sighs> Not anymore. No. She used to. She'll
1: no, now it it's like, oh, Dad, I'd rather go to Universal. Do you really need to go to Disney again? Oh, because
0: the Universal has the all roller the coasters.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's why. Yeah. Right. So she wants those. But she'll, but you know back what? she'll, she'll to... go back. Oh, she will. Around 20 is when yep. she'll come back. Yeah. Because she'll go to college and all her friends are like, oh, my God, you live in Orlando. Can we go to Disney? Yep. And yeah, we'll all go to Disney together. Yeah.
0: So she'll come back. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, listen, it's been a real pleasure talking yeah, to nice you. Yeah, nice talking to you. And thank you so much for all your information and for helping me with this rescheduling and Not all a problem. appreciate and thank it. Thank you for having me
1: on. I really appreciate it. Um,
0: I appreciate you being on and um we'll keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Okay? All right, and it would be
1: great if you could make it to a Steam Fest and all these people who've been listening to you all this time can come and actually meet you.
0: Well, I can tell you I'll be there. Awesome. I mean, unless something comes up that I can't, but right, I already put it down in my calendar. So
1: nice. So just
0: keep us in touch, you know, and I'll keep trying to tell people where to go to to get updates. Okay. Okay? Perfect. Cool. Thank you. All right.
1: All right. Enjoy your day. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye.